My biggest dream is to continue to empower more women to see that via entrepreneurship, they can live their best lives. They can step into their own power. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Seek the Joy podcast. Happy Seek the Joy Tuesday. I'm your host, Sydney Weiss, and thanks for being here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's new episode. On the podcast this week is Naomi Madudu, the founder of The Lifestyle Edit. And The Lifestyle Edit was really created as a space to spark real and candid conversations amongst creative female founders. And I am so excited for you guys to learn about the Lifestyle Edit and its evolution and the inspiration behind it. And on this week's episode, Naomi and I really go into all of that. So I don't want to share too much about it here in the intro, but this is a really powerful and awesome conversation. We talk about how she's created a life and a business that she loves on her terms and why it is so important to lead with service. We also talk about connecting to how we want to feel in any given moment and really being intentional with our thoughts and our joy and what it was like for Naomi to create an identity from scratch. She also really opens up with us about how she's been able to honor her emotions and show up even when it's hard. We talk about cultivating an authentic community and Naomi shares with us her biggest dream and honestly guys that is just scratching the surface. Before we dive into this week's new episode, I have to share with you the iTunes review of the week and it comes from Breathe222 and it says, so grateful. I can't even begin to tell you just how grateful I am for this podcast. Thank you, Sydney, for speaking your truth and for being so brave and putting your voice and your joy out into the world. Every episode and conversation is real and relatable, and I especially love her solo episodes. Sometimes it feels like I'm sitting and just chatting with a close friend who gets it. If you haven't already, do yourself a favor and tune into this podcast. Thank you, Sydney. Okay. Breathe, 222. Thank you for this really amazing and kind review of the podcast. I'm so grateful and I know I've already thanked you personally, but thank you so much for taking a couple of seconds to rate and review Seek the Joy podcast. I am honestly so grateful. And guys, if you've been enjoying this podcast or even if you just started tuning in, I would be so grateful if you left us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. And if you do, send a screenshot of that review to sydney at seekthejoypodcast.com. I will send you a huge giant thank you with a lot of exclamation points and emojis. And I'll also send you our guide for infusing more joy into your life, as well as some Seek the Joy podcast stickers. And these reviews mean more to me than you'll ever know. So thank you so much. All right, guys, that's it. This is really an episode you're not going to want to miss. So I'm so glad that you pressed play and that you're here. I can't wait to hear what you think about this one and make sure to join the conversation on our social media pages and let me know, let me know what you thought and your biggest takeaway. And without further ado, here is my conversation with Naomi of the Lifestyle Edit. 
Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on the show today, Sydney. So excited for the conversation that we're going to have. Um, But yes, I am Naomi. I am the founder of the Lifestyle Edit Media, which encompasses the lifestyleedit.com, where we do long-form interviews with creative female founders making their mark. We also have the Lifestyle Edit podcast, where we're taking those conversations further. Um, With the website, we're constantly interviewing women in person, and it was just so difficult to get all of the amazing nuggets of wisdom condensed down into a readable interview. So the podcast became an incredible extension for that. But I also work as a business coach and strategist for creative female entrepreneurs, helping them make a living out of something that they love, whether that is a product or service. So giving them the foundation and the tools to go from ideation to scale stage. I love just everything that you've done and you where you started with the content that you put on the website and expanded into the podcast. And before we kind of go into exactly what the lifestyle edit is, where did all of this start? Where did your entrepreneurial journey really, really begin? So it's so funny looking back now because it all seems really clear, but I always kind of had this entrepreneurial spirit, but I never really knew how that was going to manifest. Mm-hmm. So Going back to the start of my career, I always wanted to work as a journalist. I always wanted to work in the fashion industry. And through a lot of hard work, after graduating, a week before I graduated, I landed my dream job as a fashion editor at a national newspaper in London and kind of worked my way up and kind of moved between publications. And it was one of those things. It's funny because the more women that I'm interviewing and speaking to, they're having similar experiences where you get your dream job at a young age, you kind of work really hard, you are, you know, sacrificing a lot. I was the first person to enter the building in the mornings. I was the last person to leave. You know, friends just were stopping, inviting me out because they knew that I would say no. And it wasn't always that I was at work, but it was Mm -hmm. like the post-work hangover. At the weekends, I just wouldn't want to do anything because I was so emotionally and mentally drained that the idea of going out and socializing just wasn't a thing. So, Yes, I had the dream job on the outside, but there was so much that was happening behind the scenes that were slowly kind of eroding at my spirit, to be honest. And it became hard to then speak to people outside because it was like, what are you talking about? Like you have the dream job. And also at the time, the climate of publishing was really changing. What I loved about being a journalist was always the storytelling side and kind of digging deeper. And originally I thought that it was the product that I was really connected to but it was I realized that it was always about the stories and at the time before I left my my last role the the climate was changing a lot of the spend from print was going online in prints you know our pages were being cannibalized and it was very kind of you know this brand is launching a new collection next week go and buy it Mm. and it was just content that I just really didn't believe in but on the flip side by virtue of the job that I did, I did get really amazing access to incredible female founders. So I was kind of 
in the state where I was like, this is really unhealthy. Something has to change. And this is no longer fulfilling me. But this part I absolutely love. So I was interviewing all of these amazing female founders. And one of my last big cover stories was with Tamara Mellon, um, the former co-founder of Jimmy Choo. And we Mm. spent an incredible afternoon together. And she was just an absolute phantom of knowledge about marketing and scaling a, a business. And I left that interview and it ended up being completely cannibalized and it turned into one of those stories that I was just telling you about. And it was just so frustrating. And I was kind of surveying the market at the time and I was just like, why is this information not out there? You know, whenever female founders were being Mm. interviewed, it was always aspirational and just bear no resemblance onto the experiences that I was hearing from, you know, colleagues and peers. And it was never actionable. It was never advice that could you could actually take something and start implementing in your own life. And especially with entrepreneurship, it was either very kind of Forbes middle-aged guy behind a desk at a Fortune 500 company, <laughs> or it was like these sexy, you know, inspirational articles in the type of consumer titles that I worked at. So I saw that there was a real gap in the market. I knew that I really wanted to start my own business and I could see that there was so such a vacuum with inspiration and actionable advice. So that's kind of how the lifestyle edit was born. I went to New York for to be a bridesmaid at one of my best friend's weddings. And I, again, I was in that kind of work hangover. It was the first time that I'd ever taken time off work, mm. which is crazy to think yeah. about now. And I remember her like poking me periodically to be like, are you asleep still like 12 <laughs> hours later or you, or like, have I lost you? And they were just like, Naomi, this is not you. Like, this is your time. Like, what is the worst case scenario? Like your worst case scenario is that you go back to do what you were already doing. Mm -hmm. Like that is your worst case scenario. And I had a bit of a come to Jesus moment. And I just realized that if I'm not going to do it now, like, when am I going to do it? I have a support system of friends and family who really love and care about me. I have this burning desire to get this information out to the world and really serve this community of women who want to follow in these women's footsteps. And yeah, I've been doing this in the industry for a really long time and I have amazing contacts. The worst that can happen is I go back to doing what I'm doing. So I came back and I decided to leave and the lifestyle edit was born. What is so, I think, amazing about your story is that well, there are so many different pieces, but what stands out to me right now is that element of perspective of what is the worst thing that could happen? What is the worst case scenario? Because when we're, I think when we're contemplating our next steps, our next moves, what we want to do, we can get trapped in that, that feeling or that state of fear, right? And get lost in it. And the truth is, is like, it's about, I think, coming out or having that perspective and being able to sort of step outside of it and step outside of yourself and say, hey, I've got to do this. And that that really sounds like exactly, obviously, you know, what you've done with the lifestyle edit and everything that you've built. Definitely. And that's why I, I love that there are podcasts like yours who really kind of dig deep into that backstory. Because I think it's really easy to see where my business is now without knowing all of that kind of stuff. But there is right. always a backstory. And even 
even then, when I decided to launch the business, I had just ended a five-year relationship that, again, was really unhealthy. I was leaving the security of a job. Mm. I moved home, which, you know, in your mid to late 20s, you start, you know, it feels like a step back. There were so many things that were going on that at the time felt like it was like everything was like falling apart. But I'm a firm believer that sometimes to have a breakthrough, something needs to break. And by, you know, that relationship ending, me leaving my job, me going back home and being around my family and the people that really love me and just having that as a foundation really enabled me to be like laser focused and just have a period in my life where I was really selfish about what I wanted to do and what I wanted to achieve and to kind of have people around Mm. me also who are kind of really um, cheering me on too. Yeah. I'm so grateful that you just shared that you actually did go back home and you spent time living back at home and and with your family because I think what's missing from these stories and these, these shares about entrepreneurship and these journeys is we don't hear about how people do go back home. They do go back home with their families. They make those kind of sacrifices. It feels, you know, in the moment like a huge step back. And last year I moved back home with my family and it's felt like at times a huge step back in something that for a long time I really wasn't willing to share with a lot of people because of that sort of anticipated judgment or fear of being judged. And the truth of the matter is it's totally normal and it's part of the journey. And I think it's so important to share those aspects and kind of really return to that real world stuff and sharing the real aspects of this journey rather than just the aspirational, you know, really beautiful kind of like moments that obviously I think are shared predominantly in the media, but it's it's important to share that. And I love how in the lifestyle edit, both online and through your podcast, you really do break all of that down and you really do share all of that. And it's a reflection of what, you know, you obviously saw that was missing and and needed to be shared. Definitely. And I think so shortly after starting the business, about six months in, I decided to invest, invest a lot of time in New York. And again, you look back and you're like, of course that happened at that time. Right. (laughs) Um, and again, I think moving away from London and spending time in a new city. I literally had like three good friends and that was it. I didn't have like a tremendously large professional network. It was an opportunity to like create an identity from scratch. And you don't realize sometimes how we end up conforming to how other people perceive us. And, you know, friends would say, oh, but you don't do that. And it's like, I'm not the same person that I was, you know, six years ago. Like there's an evolution. So it just gave me an opportunity to really kind of wipe the slate clean and say like, what does the Naomi of today value? Who does she want to surround herself with? So it was a real kind of proverbial wiping of the slate clean. Yeah. And to your other point about kind of actionable advice, I think you're absolutely right. There's Especially now, one of the really exciting things is that, you know, entrepreneurship is more visible than it ever has been. I always laugh and I just think to myself, like, if I knew that I could be doing what I'm doing now when I was going to school and doing a law degree, <laughs> like, I, yeah, who knows what, if, what would have happened. Right. But I do think that there is this gap that there's just like, be an entrepreneur, like, have this kind of laptop lifestyle without there being the concrete 
um, conversations about the realities, but also like how, what does that look like? I get surprised sometimes where people don't know things like profit and loss and don't know anything about the numbers and the real things that make a business viable because there's so much of a focus on the products and the services rather than how that actually fits in creating a viable business model. So I always wanted our content to to have women who were willing to share about their stories and their journeys, but also be like, I'm successful because I did this and this and this, and this is how you can do that too. I think that's so important to share that information because I think often unless you've gone to business school or unless you've, you know, even just taken a class, you know, in those topics, it's, it's not something that's necessarily widely shared. And so before you started sharing this content on, on the site or through the podcast, did you have all this knowledge for yourself or did you have to go back and and learn all of this as, as time went on? I think so much of running a business is by virtue of doing it. Mm -hmm. But fortunately for me, I created a business in a sphere that I was already operating in. So just to go back for a moment, when I was in my last role as a fashion editor, especially with the changes of the climate at the time, it was imperative for department heads, so section heads, to be responsible for editorial, but also for bringing in money to that section. The more ads Mm. and partnerships that I brought to the fashion section, the more pages I would get, the the more resources I would have to to create better content. Mm. Um, So I always kind of had this understanding of commercial and editorial, creative and business. So that stood me in really great stead when I started my business. And that was partly why I felt confident to go out so quickly and start the business because I thought I knew the receivables that I was bringing into the business. So I was doing my calculations and I was like, ah, if I could bring in a fraction of that, like I would be doing really good. But as always happens with business, what you think is going to happen doesn't always pan out the way that you want it. So I so true. So I was thinking, you know, I can commercialize my editorial content. Unfortunately, four years ago, entrepreneurship was not as sexy as it is right now. So I actually really struggled because brands just were not getting it. Yeah. So simultaneously to creating all the content, I created TLE Studio, which is the consulting limit of our business. So a lot of the brands that I'd been working with on strategic partnerships for my old publication, when I left, they were like, how can we continue working with you? Mm. And they knew that I was entering this digital space. They knew I had always been you know, really invested time in kind of understanding where the market was, having my ear to the ground as the industry was changing. And for the brand side, there were so many changes. They couldn't rely just on print press anymore. They had to think digital. They had to think influencers. They had to create their own brand editorial voice and create their own content and think about how do they exist on all of these different platforms. As an editor and someone who interacts with so many brands, it I was uniquely positioned to kind of help them through that transition period. So through TLE Studios, we were working with these brands on um, strategy, but also we did done-for-you service. So we would execute on their behalfs too. And especially as I was spending more time in New York, a lot of the British brands that I were clients were really expanding their US footprint. So again, I ended up being that person on the ground for them. So Mm. it worked really well. So by virtue of that, at, at our peak, we had about 12 clients on retainer. So 
I was seeing multinational companies, mum and pop companies, mm. like seeing what was working, the data, what was working in real time. And that was how I was able to kind of take all of that wealth of information, also the things that we were implementing in our business and now funnel that into how I work with my clients as a coach. What's so interesting just about everything that you shared with the consulting arm of your business and the evolution to getting there and and from being a department head and having to know, you know, profit and loss and the gamut of all of that is that it just goes to show that even in the moment when you feel lost or you want to make a transition or things are changing, all of the dots connect in the end. And I think this is something that's been showing up so much more in my life recently. You know, when you were at the magazines or at the newspapers or running departments, you, you don't know that in two years, three years, five years time, you were going to be where you are today. And, and so I just, I really love that. I think it sends such a strong and important message that every moment in your life, every job, every interval plays a really strong role and purpose and everything kind of comes together, you know, in the end. And I love how you've been able to really take those moments and that knowledge that you've gathered along the way to implement into your business and into your clients and share that wealth of knowledge. And I want to go back to something you said a little bit before, which was about how you needed to really create an identity for yourself from scratch. And I really love that piece of what you said about what does Naomi want? What does she want to do moving forward? What does she want her life to look like moving forward? And when you were sort of in that period of reflection within yourself, Was there anything that you did, whether it be journaling or meditating or talking with friends and family, was there anything that you did to sort of help yourself really create that identity that that you really wanted for yourself? Oh, that's such a good question. And I, I think it's, it's, it's never something that you do once and, um, and it's done. So, so that, so I, I think the time where I probably did the most work into that was actually a little bit later to when I got to New York. So again, we had about 12 clients at our peak. I was just chronically exhausted. And what I didn't realize was that I had to change. My identity had to change and I had to really sit with my stuff because what I realized was that I was beginning to feel the exact same way that I felt in my old job. Yeah. Exhausted, depleted, feeling like I was on a hamster wheel, that my personal life was being compromised. And it was because I was still that type A personality whose whole self of worthiness was trapped into my job and out my output and my productivity. So again, I needed something to break. me to have a breakthrough. So again, I'm a big believer that when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And for some reason, I came across Danielle Laporte's two of her books, The Firestarter Sessions and Mm. The Desire Map. And I can't remember which one of the books it is, but both are equally brilliant. So everybody go and check it out. And she has this whole section where she's like, how do you want to feel? And it sounds so like, what do you mean? How do I want to feel? Like, I want to feel great. And she's like, no, dig deep into that. Like sit with that. Yeah. In an ideal world, map out your perfect day. How would you feel? And it's so crazy that we are so disconnected with that. Mm-hmm. And I was mapping it out and just silly things. Like I want to wake up without an alarm. I want to have the sun beating down on my face. I want to 
be able to move my body and take care of myself and self-care before I even think about working. I want to look at my calendar and be so excited about the women that I get to work with and serve. I want to be in flow and feel in alignment. And all of a sudden, as I was doing these exercises, it was like, Hmm. oh my God, that's it. So I even do it now. Like every morning when I am kind of doing my morning routine, I will sit and think, how do I want to feel today? So some days it's like, I want to feel electric. Another day it's like, I want to feel in flow. I want to feel excitement. I want to feel, so it's like, okay, how am I intentionally crafting my day so that I'm able to feel like that? Because very often when you're saying, I want to hit that milestone, why is it? It's because we think that through attaining that thing, we're going to feel a certain way. And the the eureka moment for me was when I realized that I have access to that feeling in every minute of every day. Mm. It's about how intentional am I being in cultivating that. That piece that you just shared about being intentional has been so important for me too, because I used to run out the door every morning without having any sort of practice to ground myself in who I am and how I'm feeling and what I would love the day to look like. And ever since I crafted a morning routine for myself and I'm intentional with my thoughts in the morning and I'm intentional with what I do. And even if that means I'm I'm waking up an extra hour earlier, you know, to have that moment for myself, it's been so key and it's been so important because from there you can really connect with how you want to feel because if you're just running out the door you know by the seat of your pants and with like a on a hamster wheel or a chicken with its head cut off you never have that opportunity to to really reconnect to that totally and you realize that actually we are constantly buffering and by buffering I mean like we can't be on our own or sit in silence Mm -hmm. think of how many times like you're on a train so you get frustrated because it's like where's the wi-fi like I need to be on my phone you can't just sit on the train (laughs) and like not have your phone like you must be doing something so it's like how can we lean into those moments how can we you know when you're moving from meeting to meeting be intentional about it rather than being like okay I have to be on the phone to like kill the time or doing something else how can you lean into that and I'm exactly the same with you. Like I have that morning routine that really grounds me. So every day I handwrite my goals. I handwrite mm. my big picture vision and I go into detail about like how does it feel when I'm doing that or when I'm with those people or I've hit that big milestone. Like how does that sensation feel in my body? What does it look like? So I just... I'm able to kind of start my day with that in mind. Um, And then I'll do like a very short visualization, like sometimes five minutes, 10 minutes, depending on how much time I've got, and really kind of step into that vision. So even when things come up in the day, I always try and ask myself, like, what would that Naomi who has like realized a lot of those things I'm striving for, like the Naomi of next year of five years time, like what would she do right now? And kind of use that as my North Star. Oh, I love this practice that you've implemented for yourself from writing things out by hand, which I think is so important. It's such a different experience when you write something out by hand versus when you type it. There's something more personal about it. Um, and I've, I've really found the same thing. And with the visualization that you do, 
is that something that you do every day or do you do it when you feel like it? Cause I think often we can feel like we have to stick, you know, to a certain routine, but you know, I think sometimes too, it's important, you know, to be flexible, you know, within that. Yeah. I think I, you're so right. Cause then like meditation can be another thing that we berate ourselves. Like I didn't do it today. So, you know, I'm not, <laughs> Yeah, it's just another, you know, you have to be compassionate. I do it every day. It's more with me, a case of the duration. And for me, I, I try and stay in a state of flow. So if for some reason on that day, it didn't feel like a line, then I wouldn't do it. But for me, it's such a big part of my grounding that I, I, I try and make sure that I do it. But remember, meditation doesn't need to be this thing where it's like, you know, you bring out your yoga mat and it's this big thing. <laughs> Sometimes for me, I one thing that I implemented a while ago was that after the, the end of my day, I go for like a run or sometimes just a walk and I'll try and do like 10,000 steps, for example, which normally takes me just over an hour. And I will visualize, I will think about like, what's on my agenda tomorrow? Okay. I've got a client call. Like, how do I want to show up for that client? Like what energy do I need to be in? What's going on? It's like my time to like brain dump and like process. Yeah. And it's great because I'm moving my body. I'm out. The sun is out. It's beautiful. Or it's that beautiful autumn crisp air. So it's about catching those moments. Even sometimes when I'm, like I said, I'm in between meetings. It's like, how can I reground myself and make sure that I'm being intentional about my thoughts? Because I, I read the book, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself by Dr. Joe Dispenza. Oh my God, my mind was blown and it completely changed my whole approach because he says that we are the thinker of our thoughts. Our thoughts create our emotions. Our emotions create our actions. Our actions, aka the things that we do every day, create our personalities and our lives. Wow. So if we believe that our thoughts create that, then Jesus, we need to be intentional about the things that we think. So how, when you have those interims between tasks or between when you're traveling or whatever, those pockets of time in your day, how can you be intentional about your thoughts so you can start manifesting the life of your dreams? I need to read that book because that, <laughs> that sounds totally up my alley. I mean, it's so true. Our thoughts do, in my opinion, at least create our reality. I mean, I can't tell you how many days I'll wake up in a bad mood and it's a bad day. Or if I wake up in a bad mood and I like interrupt myself and tell myself, okay, you may be in a funky mood today, but you've got to like knock it off. And I do something to interrupt myself, whether it's journaling or going on a walk or picking up the phone and calling a friend. I mean, you know, just doing something concrete to interrupt that sort of negative flow so I can return to a space of being joyful or excited or just more neutral and not in that bad state. So I've got to read that book because that sounds totally up my alley. But when you want to return to sort of that state of flow for yourself throughout the day, if you're jumping from meeting to meeting or call to call, is there something that you do to help reground yourself in the moment? Or is it really just about the thoughts that you have and, and redirecting them? Sometimes it's the thoughts and to to try and get away from the chaos of it all, especially like I try and batch my meetings. Hmm. So like Thursday, I'm in external meetings all day. I love jazz, like instrumental jazz. Mm -hmm. This is such a random thing. I love I it. Love instruments. I love instrumental jazz. I'll put my headphones on. And again, there are no words because otherwise if there are words, I'm like completely getting distracted by the words and singing along. And it's almost like it's like a freeze frame. I'm like walking around, but 
I'm like in my own head as opposed to like focusing on anything else. And it just gets me in a really great state. Or like when I'm at home, sometimes there's a woman who I love called Josie Ong. She has a podcast called Affirmation Pod. Mm. And she has these amazing affirmations where, and literally the, the title of the episode will be based on a feeling. So sometimes if I'm feeling like anxious, I will like listen to that episode of her podcast that have affirmations that are all about dealing with anxiety. So just trying to use that time as like productively as I can, but I hate using the word productive because I, I do feel like it's, it can has negative connotations Like we must be making the most out of every minute of the day. Right. But so I think it's about, again, thinking about how you want to feel and asking yourself, what are the things that make you feel that way? Jazz makes me feel like Zen as hell. Mm. So I'm like, yeah. Keep the jazz Spotify playlist coming because it just like <laughs> puts me in the same space. I, I love, I love that. I love, uh, what do I listen to when I, oh, Broadway music. I like yeah, that. Yeah, it's just always so upbeat and happy and I'm going to have to try the jazz too because I think sometimes I do get distracted by the <laughs> words. And what you, what you just said about productivity and being productive and sort of like this negative association with it, I think it's so true because often the most productive thing that we could do is give ourselves a break or give ourselves some time off or take a break sort of from the madness. And I think you know, within those moments that are probably the most productive sometimes, which is that moment of rest and downtime, we can really, I think, reconnect to joy and what joy is like for us and how we feel about joy and how we want to experience joy. So what does joy really look and feel like for you? And are there things that you do? I mean, maybe it's the instrumental jazz, but are there things that you do that really, that bring you a lot of joy? Oh my God, there are so many things that I love doing that brings me joy. It goes from the smallest things. Like right now I'm sitting and I just have the sun streaming down on my face. It's like beautiful outside. Mm. It's like clear blue skies. That brings me joy. Getting out and moving my body, going for a walk and being around nature and hearing the birds and being on my own. I'm an extroverted introvert. I love that solitude mode. Mm. Digging into a big book on the weekend with a big glass of wine brings me joy <laughs> going to a museum again on my own can you see I'm an extroverted introvert um, you and I are one in the same <laughs> totally yeah, like going to a museum on my own and like just savoring it all in and like not having to talk that is like dreamy like traveling and being immersed in different cultures that brings me joy like going for a Sunday roast I'm British with my family (laughs) Mm -hmm. on a Sunday and just like catching up on our lives and just having really present like quality family time having a date night in the middle of the week with my boyfriend and just being like hey what's going on with you and not just after a busy day's work as we're both watching tv and I'm making dinner and things like that yeah it's the smallest things it really is what's so amazing too about the things that bring us joy I think is that they they serve as fuel for the rest of the week for the rest of the month for the rest of the year whatever it might be and so I think it's so important to remember that it doesn't have to be big it can be something that's so small it can be a moment in the day that then just serves as that fuel to keep you going especially when I think times get tough or 
there's a low point in your business or in your life. I think we really need, we need those moments and to be able to reconnect to the feeling, just like we've been talking about, you know, throughout this whole conversation, the ability to reconnect to that feeling of joy, I think helps us, you know, move through any moment in life. It's so true. And I think that's why like having a gratitude routine is, um, Mm -hmm. habit is so important. I can't remember who said it, but they were saying that they challenge themselves to when they're doing their things that they're grateful for at the end of the day, they never say like big things like for my family, for my job, for my, it has to be (laughs) like details from the day. So, you know, when my client thanked me for going over and above for them today. When, you know, that person was in the queue and they noticed that I had less items than them and they let me go in front of them. It just, and I I was like, I really love that because yes, otherwise you can't, Mm. it makes you become a lot more present in the day-to-day interactions. I think it can be a bit of a cop-out sometimes because otherwise you'd say your family (laughs) and your work every single day. How can we really lean into those just joyous moments of every day. I love what you just shared, what you just shared about this gratitude routine and returning to that space of gratitude and returning to that space or or that feeling of gratitude and joy. Uh, I don't know. I think it's been, it's been such a game changer for me. And I know for so many who, who listen to this podcast too. And, And so when you're in difficult moments, whether it's in your personal life or in your business or both at the same time, how have you been able to, I don't know, maybe even return to that space of gratitude or, or just show up because I think sometimes the hardest thing is showing up, whether it's for ourselves or somebody else, but it's also one of the most important things, you know, that we can do, especially when, when times get tough. Um, so I think the first thing is honoring the emotion. I think sometimes you're like, Oh, you know, I'm a very high vibration person or, you know, I, I would need to be positive all the time or, you know, I can't be sad. And it's like, well, no, sometimes things are just hard and things are challenging and, you know, we feel triggered by whatever's going on in our lives. And I think it's important to honor that and sit with that without feeling guilt for those, feeling those emotions. And what I try and do when I am in those kind of hard times is again, I go back to journaling or even just sitting in meditation and thinking and just saying like, why am I really triggered by this? Mm. Why is this really upsetting me? Am I choosing to see it in a way that upsets me? Like, how can I take a step back? What is it? Or is there healing that needs to be done? Right. I think sometimes we, we, look outside ourselves for answers. But I think just sitting with those questions with ourselves, we have so much like internal intelligence that I don't think Mm -hmm. many of us tap into. So before I even have that conversation with anybody else, I always go internal and think, what is the real reason? And if I'm up, if I'm thinking something because of a certain thought, like, is that thought true? Yeah. You know, do I have access to all of the information here? Why am I feeling like this? And is it really about this person, for example? Or does that hark back to an area in my life that I've, I haven't healed from and I'm now projecting it onto this situation? So again, that's why that morning practice and having that time to just sit with your thoughts is just so important. So I do that. And then sometimes it's just about also reminding myself that it's okay to take messy action. Hmm. Like things may not be perfect. Things may, may not be ideal, 
but just being willing to show up anyway and just recognizing that you don't have to be perfect to start, but you have to start in order to build that momentum. And I think it's a muscle. And, you know, whenever I um, am going through that, I always look back at like, times when I've gone through that. So it's so funny, even with my business, when I, when I go through challenges, I'm like, but do you remember when you had that like a year ago and you thought that was like the end of the mm-hmm. world? And you like, if you were to have that today, you'd be like, I could deal with that in my eyes closed. <laughs> Next year, you'll feel the exact same way about this. It's about trusting the growth, I think, right? And trusting the process and knowing that what is hard in this moment may not be as hard the next time you come across this challenge. And I also really am a firm believer that the challenges that we face in any given moment are sort of the, it's like the building blocks or the preparation, right? That we need to, to be able to face a maybe a different or a bigger challenge later on. And I think what you just shared is so wonderful and and so tangible. And I think it will be for so many. Oh, I'm pleased. Thank you. I want to talk a little bit about just the power of community and what you've built with the lifestyle edit, whether it's through the podcast or your masterminds or the consulting arm or just bringing women of all walks of life, you know, who are on this path and on these journeys together it's been so cool to watch and learn more about. And I'm really in awe of just the, the level of community that you've built. And so how have you really been able to cultivate this supportive and authentic communities, you know, both in your personal life and, and in your business? I am really intentional about being proactive, about cultivating community. So I'll talk about personal first, but I guess still in the professional realm. So When I moved to New York, for example, I made a list of who are all of the women who are based in New York, who I really love what they're doing, who care as much as I do about creative female entrepreneurs, and that I just could imagine like wanting to hang out with. So I made a list of all of these women, and I just emailed them. Some of them, I DM'd them on Instagram, um, and I connected with them, and every single one of them responded Hmm. and we went out, we grabbed coffee and many of them have become partners to us. They've become confident. They've become friends and were part of my early support system when I moved to New York. And that's something that I am really intentional about doing. I'm always reaching out to other women in the space who I feel like we have that commonality to, because I think there is this Things sometimes as we're growing up and we're evolving and we're changing that sometimes you can look around with the people that you grew up with and as much as you love them you realize that outside of nostalgia hmm. you're just completely fundamentally different people and it can be quite a daunting and lonely experience because you're like okay where do I find those like-minded people <laughs> and so in being really intentional about not being afraid and just reaching out to new people that I'm just like she's really awesome I don't know why she would like contact me back but I'm gonna email her <laughs> just like reach out that's been like a real game changer and then in my business building community is everything. And I know it's a real sexy topic at the moment, you know, authenticity, community, all of that kind of stuff, but really it goes to the heart of everything that we do. So one of the things that I always say to my clients is that instead of focusing constantly on customer acquisition, 
building your Instagram followers, building your email list numbers. I don't want to hear about any of that until you tell me how you are loving up on the people who are already in your sphere, the people who have already put their hand up and said that they want to be part of your tribe. How are you taking care of them? Mm. Are you going on your Instagram and posting and ghosting? Are you not, are you responding to them? Are you actually being social on social when they're giving you lots of love on your channels? Are you actually going back and giving love to them? And when you are, is it just like um, an emoji or are you actually saying like to that person that's a photographer, like, I really love the way that you captured X, Y, and Z. Are you loving up on them? It's so easy for us to think about, we want more, we want more, or why are people not buying or doing any of this? But it's like, you need to lead with service. Even when I am thinking about new potential partners for my business, I and I'm reaching out to them cold for the first time, I always lead with service. My thing is always, how can I be of service to you? I love what you're doing. I want to be a part of it. I can see that you are as committed to this community as I am. I want to know what are your priorities as a business? Where are some of the, the, the things that you are struggling with that I could potentially support you with? Always lead with service in your relationships, but especially with your with your tribe and the people that are there. So, for example, I have a welcome sequence for anyone who joins the Lifestyle Edit newsletter. And, you know, one of the first um, so it just kind of gets people to understand a little bit more about my story and what we do and our values and all of that kind of yeah. stuff. And I have some questions that I ask people. So like, what is the biggest thing that you're struggling with in your business right now? I want to hear more about your story. You've heard about mine. And I literally get hundreds of emails back every week. And what people hmm. very often, those emails are like, okay, I'm answering these questions, but like, I doubt that it's going to be Naomi actually responding. And everyone gets so surprised when it's like, <laughs> like, yeah, like who else do you think would respond to this? And it just showed me that, wow, people really don't do this, do they? Yeah, like, yeah. and I will, you know, if I've seen something that was in relation to the thing that they said they were struggling with, like I'll send them links. I'll send them like, if we've done a podcast on it, I'll send it to them. Or just if I'm thinking about Mm -hmm. them, I'll just be like, Hey, how was that going? I know that you were going for that job interview. Like, how did it go? If I can be of service, please let me know. And when they're saying that the things that they're struggling with, like I'm sending them like a thesis back. So, um, it's not just, I don't see people as just another number. It's like, again, how can you, how can you make sure that you're really taking care of people? And I think that's how you create a loyal, viable, stable, long-term business. Oh, absolutely. I love this piece about how they're so surprised that it's you that's responding because I think it goes to show your point that not enough people are doing that and not enough people are really showing love the way that you talked about. And I think leading with service and leading with that that mentality and that perspective is so important. And yes, you know, community and collaboration and authenticity are total buzzwords right now, but they're fundamental. And I think they're the building blocks of any successful business or creative endeavor. And, and so what would you say is, is your biggest dream? My biggest dream is to continue but on a larger scale to empower more women 
to see that via entrepreneurship, they can live their best lives. They can step into their own power. It's really sad sometimes when I can see people who are in a similar situation that I was feeling, you know, working every hour God sends, feeling like they're not getting time to spend with their family, their kids. They're working every hour God sends and not being financially compensated for that time. Mm. We through entrepreneurship, we have the power to cultivate life on our own terms, to have businesses that serve the life that we want to lead rather than our lives serving our work and our business. It's my biggest mission to empower more women to take that step. And once they do, to be their biggest ally and partner in crime as they make a generous living with doing something that lights them up every single day. I mean, I love it. And I think it's so powerful (laughs) and it encompasses everything that you're doing and everything that you've done. And I think, I don't know if, if people are not already connected with you and your podcast and your platform and your business and everything that you've created, they've got it. They've got to, it's, you know, because I think the more that we sort of immerse ourselves in this messaging and this impact, I think, I think the better, you know, moving forward. And I have loved having this conversation with you and connecting with you and you and I are two, um, extroverted introverts. We speak the same language and I'm just, I'm so grateful. And where can everyone find you, find the lifestyle edit, connect with you guys and, and, and learn more. Yes. So head to the lifestyle We are at the lifestyle edit on Instagram. We have the lifestyle edit podcast, just search the lifestyle edit podcast. You'll see my face pop up and I would love hmm. to invite you guys to join our newsletter community the the incredible two-way conversations that happen on in our email list is just amazing and that's where um, so much of the magic happens so much of the content and the insights that i don't share anywhere else that's where it happens so head to the lifestyleedit.com and definitely join us Ah, perfect. And I will include everything in the show notes so everyone can find you and and connect and join that newsletter list, which I'm on, by the way, and I love it. I think it's fantastic. And I love that series at the beginning. I don't know. I think it's so impactful. So thank you so much again. It's been so awesome just to hear about your evolution. And thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Sydney. This has been a blast. awesome is Naomi. I just feel like we speak the same language. Do you know what I mean? Like when you meet somebody and there are just so many similarities and commonalities and ways of approaching things. And I loved when she said that she was an introverted extrovert because that totally sums up how I feel about myself too. I love spending time with other people and getting to know them and sharing and exchanging, you know, ideas and just hanging out. But at the same time, I really do need that time for myself. So totally resonated with honestly every aspect of our conversation. I'm really so inspired by Naomi and what she's created and just the leap of faith that she took to start the lifestyle edit and make it what it is today. And so I would really love to hear from you guys. What was your biggest takeaway? What did you love about this week's new episode? What resonated with you? Join the conversation on our Instagram or our Facebook or our Twitter pages. I have linked everything in the show notes for this week's episode and it's a really good one. So 
I'm so glad that you tuned in. And if you've made it to this, this point, you are officially my BFF. I am honestly so grateful. And uh, if you want to support me and you want to support my work on this show, the best way to do that is to share this episode or share this podcast with your friends or your family or on your social media channels. Make sure to hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you love to seek the joy. If you haven't already left us a rating and review, I would be so grateful if you did. And I'm also going to link to our Patreon page in the show notes as well. Um, so I think that's it. I really love this week's conversation. I'm so glad that you tuned in. I can't wait to hear what you think. I can't wait to connect. And uh, I will see you right back here next week for another Seek the Joy Tuesday. Tuesday.